Hey, Colleen. Good morning, Michelle. How's it going? I'm really good. How are you? Yeah? Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. So tell me, what's what's up in uh, Refine World this week? So we have been doing a lot of work. What's really kind of a funny story I have to tell you. So I'm speaking at the Rail SAS conference in October. And my most popular, so I've done a lot of conference talks, much like you have. And my most, com- my most popular conference talk is called How to Learn to Code When You Have No Time and No Money. It's from like 2018. It was at Codeland. It has like 800,000 views on YouTube. So it really, whoa. I know. I'm like YouTube famous. No one knows this. I didn't even know this till someone told me. This explains why I remember like six months ago, you were like, oh, I like randomly got a bunch of new followers on Twitter and all of these random people DMing me. And some of them were kind of weird. And and it like turned out your YouTube video had resurfaced. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And like didn't know what you were referencing. But th- that is this talk That's on this learning talk. to code with no money, no time, no resources, yep. no nothing. So what I have found over years of doing conference talks is talks that have kind of an emotional hook tend to be more interesting to people, right? Like I, anyone can read a blog on the internet about how to do something technical. People want to be inspired or excited. They want to, you want to make people feel something when you give a talk. So this is my funny story. So I'm speaking at Rail SAS and Andrew, who is the organizer of Rail SAS, also a very close personal friend. So I have this idea for this talk for Rail SAS. And he's like, okay, so what are you going to talk about? And I'm like, okay, I have this great plan. It's going to be called building a life. And it's going to be about how I've met so many founders, including myself, who tend to get their priorities out of order or they forget during the crazy, manic, building a business challenge period, the importance of the whole reason you're building a business is to change your life. So you're building a business in order to serve your life, not in order to destroy your life. So I give Andrew this pitch and he's like, that sounds great, but you should definitely not do that. (laughs) It was amazing. Well, he made the very good, I mean, I was really proud of this idea, but he was like, no, you shouldn't do that. Um, He he made the very good point that he was like, look, this is going to be professionally recorded. It's going to be like bullet train customers and rails people. You should do, you should take your 45 minutes and you should do the best refined demo you've ever done in your life. And even if it is not as maybe engaging as the other talk, it's your opportunity to create this wonderful content for all the people at the conference and for, you know, to have like content to have to, to show refine and conference, I forget what the third and was. There was another good reason too. Anyway, point was the whole, his, his argument was, oh, and no one else is doing any live coding or two other people out of like his 12 speakers. Most people are not going to be doing live coding. Most people are doing more like storytelling talks. So he's like, it'd be cool to do a demo to do some live coding because most people aren't doing that. So that was kind of funny, but it also got me thinking about really making a cool refined demo. And that's, so this week, my goal this week from a refine perspective is just brainstorming something that would be really cool. Like I don't want to do like another CRM or another sales pipeline or I'm trying to find something that is engaging, interesting, that people can relate to. And what's cool about this, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, how are you feeling about doing a live coding talk when your last live coding slash workshop in a hotel ballroom? So bad. Uh, it can't be worse than that, Michelle. Hotel Wi-Fi <laughs> issues. Dude, if I can get through that, I can get through whatever. Like, it can't go worse than that one. So, <laughs> I feel quite confident that it's not going to be worse than that. Like, this will definitely be better. I mean, so, I mean, maybe you don't know this at this point, but, like, if this is a piece of content that is not only for this, the audience is partly, you know, the, the audience at the conference, but it's more so, you know, if this is going to be on YouTube and whatnot, this is a piece of content to, you know, have for for the future and, and um, you know, sort of, like, you know, hold on to it and run with it. Like, you know, yeah, a piece of content to have and to hold uh, for a long time. <laughs> um do you have a sense for a little bit of like what the most painful use cases are that people are using refine for? Like, I know yes. you mentioned you have like a real estate customer. Like, is it like, could you basically do, you know, a demo f in one of those customer types that for them feels like a wow? Yes. So I'm considering real estate. So what's cool about this is one of my colleagues is building a charting library that tightly couples with bullet train. So he and I are brainstorming ways where we can use refine as a filter that automatically updates a whole set of charts. And I'm really excited about this because people love visuals. So I feel like people love charts. People love charts. And so we were, we were bouncing ideas around um, Monday and we're going to meet again tomorrow, but he's got this charting library. I have a filtering library. So together what we hope to build is basically you'd come to a page and like you'd have your filters and you'd change your filters and it would update your charts in real time. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm super excited. So I think we are trying to come up with like a really like kind of juicy domain model, like something we might do real estate. Real estate has a lot of opportunities for charting and email sequences but the biggest things obviously filtering but I think as we talked about last time filtering is not quite exciting enough and I think it's really well it's not just the filtering itself it's the speed at which you could implement filtering is the exciting thing that you're bringing to the table right Does that makes sense that's true but also I think this thing like bringing in charts email sequences background jobs to send emails everything so every time something changes like to-do list management like Aaron had it set up in his last company where the filters managed your to-do list so you would have like a new to-do come in it would meet it would meet a filter and then it would get sent to the agent they are property they were a property tax management company the agent couldn't close the to-do they just had to like finish the task and then it would drop off the list because it no longer met the filter criteria Whoa. I know. And so that's kind of a lot of words and it's hard to explain to someone the power of that. So the demo I've been doing now with new customers is very much like filtering on your index view. And to your point, like you can set it up really quickly. I can have you totally set up in 30 minutes and some people that's enough, but I feel like the pain, what we're hearing is like, that is painful for a very small number of people but it doesn't feel enticing enough. And so I think the move is to build out some kind of demo and I don't have a lot of time. So this is going to be really a challenge that showcases all these other things you can do. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. fun. Okay. So this is the important part of this story. The important part of this story is I'm super excited about it. That's important. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, working, I've been working for the client for a year and a half now. And as I've said, they're wonderful and I love working for them. 
But when you're in the same, like, like there's no real creativity. Like you don't really, I don't know. It, it can kind of, fe- it feels like a job and there's nothing wrong with jobs. Jobs are good, but I, I didn't, I wasn't really feeling like the creative spark with refine. And so talking to um, my friend about this and like brainstorming ideas of what we could build, it was just fun. Like it just reminds you why you get into software because you can build anything and it's fun and exciting and you can be creative in your own software space. And so I'm really pumped about that. I think I need a little bit of that in my life right now. I think you do too. (laughs) Yeah. I was actually, I was saying to Matias yesterday that like Geocodio lately is feeling more like a job to me than, you know, a a calling or, or whatever. But that might just be like summer European parenting talking where like summer camps aren't as much of a thing so it's wait what is summer european parenting what does that mean you guys no it's just like there's not a there's not as much like like summer camps and stuff because it's like the expectation that the parents just take four to six weeks of vacation all summer while the kids are out of school oh i see and so it's basically in a weird kind of way it's like pandemic parenting except you can go outside but like it's basically that your whole work like you've still got just like this pile of work to do after bedtime every night oh I see yeah so it's that whole thing of like trying to grab an hour here and there whenever you can and then like three or four hours at night and that gets kind of tiring and that's probably why I'm feeling that sort of job like feeling and also haven't of course can't schedule like customer calls or anything when you know the daily schedule is so fluid and has other things going on yeah that makes sense but it's like it's important to have those little fun side projects once in a while just like yeah just to feel that like joy of building software like I remember we actually we speaking of like pandemic we built one early pandemic that would help people get curbside pickup slots at grocery stores that would like send you an alert when I don't know if you remember, like, there was a big, like, struggle for curbside I do grocery remember. pickup slots. I yeah. Do. And so, like, we were having, like, trouble finding one. And um, Matias then, like, built some script that would, like, ping him whenever Wegmans had one available rather than having to, like, sit there refreshing. And then we're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, actually, like, our friends, like, they want to use this, too, because they have the same problem. And then we, like, built this little app. And it was just, like, it was, like, such a fun little distraction for a couple of days. It's like, oh, yeah, like this is why I work in software. Like, this is why I do this. This is like really fun when you build something that people need and it helps them, even if it's just some, like a small thing, right? Like you're not changing the world, but you're just, yeah, feeling that joy of helping somebody uh, and in our own way. Like, I, I think it's important to have those little projects here and there, even if they're not, you know, they're not things that are going to make money or anything long-term, right? Yeah, it feels good. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Like I said, it, w- it will be a fair amount of work, but I think uh, it will be super net positive and it's just, it feels really fun. So that's cool. What about this, the, the, the talk you pitched though? Cause it sounds like you're also passionate about that. I feel like that would be a perfect talk for like microcon for oh, something. someone take my other talk. It's going to be so good. Maybe once I make some real money though. <laughs> I, don't think- I think it's okay to, to pitch yourself to them now. Like. I mean, I felt for such a long time that I was like, I wasn't remotely successful enough to like go. Right. And then it turned out, oh, wait, there's people who don't even have any business here. Okay. Like I, yeah. Michelle, you should You were totally... making a million dollars a year and you didn't feel like you were <sighs> successful enough to go. To I feel like this is this like a, a really <laughs> like theme of this podcast where you're like, Michelle, you're really successful and your life is amazing. And I'm like, 
Well, it, I, I do think it's a theme, and I feel like this that. is okay. this is why I, brought, I was brought into your life to bang <laughs> you over the head until you realize that, like, you're good, man. Like, you should be you're happy. You're my fairy godmother. You don't have to be happy. Right? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> no, yeah. that's that's definitely a talk I will write. I have, to have to, and I will give eventually. I just um, you should totally pitch it. Why not? Yeah, I mean, but giving talks isn't really like it has to be value added for me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I much like you mostly turn stuff down these days because when you ask me to speak at your meetup conference, whatever, like it has to be value added for me. And some conferences are, and some conferences are no longer value added. So I don't have a lot of time. So I just have to be ruthlessly efficient i don't know if that's the right discerning ruthlessly discerning when i decide where i'm going to speak i think that's very much in fitting with the theme of the talk as well right like um, <laughs> yeah i is. mean you know it does occur to me that we do have a podcast and you could basically do a test run of that talk on the podcast and then you know kind of use that as an opportunity to workshop it and see what kind of feedback you get from it right but but that's what i'm saying that talk isn't really value-added for me yeah, but you're passionate about it. That's value add. Yeah, but takes like 40 takes a tremendous amount of time to build a talk. So, maybe someday if I find the right opportunity or the right conference. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this week has been really good. Like I have tons to do. Almost an overwhelming amount of work to do, but I'm feeling really good about it. I think part of that though is we had a big event last week that we hosted and it was great. But it was like, I mean, like a big event, like a mini. Like personal life. Personal life, right. Yeah. And so I had all these people in my small house (laughs) and I couldn't work. And so I love all of these people. But when they left and I had Monday to just like work, I was so happy. (laughs) Like it was just funny. Like it made me so happy. I was like, no one is going to bother me all day. It's just me and my computer. This is wonderful. (laughs) So, yeah. I don't know what that says about me, but it is what it is. I mean, you saying how you're really busy, but you're feeling good about it reminds me of something that Aaron, your co-founder, tweeted the other day about how he is in the, what did he call it? Like the maximum output phase of his, some other way of saying it, of his life where he's like, he is, he is, you know, pedal to the floor and like ready to push right now, like in this phase of his life. And it sounds like you're, yeah, you're kind of there too. Yeah, we, it's funny. I was talking to my husband about this just last night because the way our careers have kind of gone is I'm in the phase right now that he was in 10 years ago where he, like, the first 10 years of his career, he was grinding it out. And now we've switched. And now I'm the one who's kind of like, to Aaron's point, like maximum effort, like grinding it out. And I totally think that's true. Like, I think there are seasons of high work and then seasons of rest. Yeah. And we're... You know, Aaron and I are in a season of a lot of work. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, too, as we were talking about last week. It is currently the harvest here, <laughs> which... OMG, I still cannot believe that. That was like, I wish like we had that on video because it was so funny. Like, I was like, who says harvest? What's <laughs> Casually, like, oh, yes, this is the harvest going on right now. It's the harvest. Um, no, I mean, I can literally like I'm looking out the window. I can see like a giant dust cloud from a combine going by. But, you know, this is my third time actually observing the harvest here. And, you know, I'm not a farmer myself, of course, but we, I mean, we are literally surrounded by fields and and, and farming wherever we go. And so it's something that we can't help observe. And I've kind of been thinking about in, in like context of business, right? Like maybe there are, you know, 
there's seasons of business, like there are seasons of agriculture, right? And I feel like you and Aaron are very much in that like planting phase, which, you know, depending on the crop has different times of the year, but like, you know, might be, you know, say October, right, to to get everything in the ground. And, you know, it, it's a very intense period of work that, that even an, a casual observer like myself can see, right? There's plowing and harrowing and, you know, you've got to turn up all the ground. And I feel like that's kind of like research and figuring out, okay, what is here? What, what like, what is here that we can use and, and, and work with? And then actually getting the seeds in the ground. And, and, and it's a, I mean, you see, you see the farmers out, you know, at all hours of the day because they've they've got to get it in like there's a there's there's a rush and there's an urgency and there's timing is important and and then there's you know seasons when you're letting things grow right of course you know they're always busy right there's a popular danish kid song that basically goes you know the farmer is always busy on his farm okay it sounds better in danish but (laughs) in danish it actually like has a nice little like rhyme to it but you know to to an observer nothing is happening Right. But of course, there, there, there are things right. happening and things are growing. But then there's also later on, there's there's a harvest season, which is also very intense. And that's, you know, right now when we're seeing things have to be harvested at a specific time. And um, again, even anybody going by, you know, you see the combines in the fields, you see the lines at the grain co-ops and you see sugar beets all over the road. It's a very intense period of work after everything has grown. And even then, there's still uncertainty about whether that's actually going to work and how much money you're going to make, right? But I, I, I feel like there's these different seasons, and I feel like you guys are kind of in that planting phase. And mm-hmm. I think we're definitely in, I guess it goes back and forth, but kind of in that, that harvesting period that is intense in its own way, but is more like sort of a scaling thing of like you already know it's working, it's already grown, right? But... Mm-hmm. there's more work to be done. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And I think the thing that I'm really focusing on right now is it's important to remember, I'm going to switch metaphors on you a little so bit. So many metaphors going like, on. <laughs> some, I don't know what the, because I don't know anything about farming. Um, but <laughs> on your a, beautiful <laughs> island in California, you aren't surrounded yeah, by yeah. cornfields. <laughs> <laughs> there are no cornfields here. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. But, but. There will be times where you have to put in an extremely high level of effort. So what I'm trying to really focus on right now, I think Aaron and I are both feeling a little frustrated that things aren't moving more quickly. Mm. And things aren't moving more quickly because we have families and we have jobs and we can't work 15 hours every single day. And I think it's also important to like appreciate the stage that you're in. And what I mean by that is like, Instead of wishing it away, like, oh, I wish we had already figured this part out, or I wish we had already done this, or I wish, like, this is kind of a fun time, what we're doing. I mean, it's a hard time. (laughs) We're working a lot, and we're talking to a lot of people, but it's also anything is possible, right? Like, in the beginning, it's like anything is possible, and I just think it's important for us to really appreciate where we are, appreciate that this is part of the process. I mean, I think we talked about this last week, but we're very much in a talk to everybody stage right now, figure out what the main problem is, figure out how to solve the problem. What's the, I mean, there's so many little things, right? What's the best way to integrate it? What do the people care about the most? How do we entice people? And so I just think it's important for us to, to recognize where we are and that this is part of the process and things will move at the pace they will, we can move them at. 
I think that's something that gets to the core of being an entrepreneur, which is that things are always going to be hard and they're always going to be challenging. But if you're enjoying that it's challenging and, you know, to, to what you said, like working for your client was feeling like a job and you don't like that. Like if you would rather be figuring out, OK, who is our customer? How, how do we sell this? Like if, if those those are hard challenges, but if you enjoy working on those challenges, then entrepreneurship is the right career for you. Right. Like if you are getting right. satisfaction out of that, even if you're tired or you know, not really sure what to do. Like if you if you find it gratifying to work on those challenges, then then you know it's the right career for you. And, and I mean, I find myself reminded of that lately as we're, you know, trying to figure out how to do this as a three-person team, trying to not get too corporate as Matthias chided me the other day when I started talking about like a weekly GitHub check-in email, what everybody's working on. And he's like, no, absolutely not. I'm going to write a script that tells you what I did the previous week. Like I'm not doing that. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> but like we're I mean, we're you know, we're we're doing SOC two this fall and I've gotta figure out how to implement sales taxes and like I've never done either of those things. Both of them are I don't know if beyond my competence is is the right way of framing it, but like they're beyond my previous scope of of concepts that I have tackled before, right? If that makes sense. Like, you know, in previous jobs or projects, yeah. whatever I had tackled, you know selling to a big company or, you know, negotiating things like I, I, you know, like I had some level experience with those, but like, I actually have no experience with these and I don't feel like I have a roadmap for them, but that's, that's the job is figuring out the new challenge. And if you like that and are energized by that, right, then it's the right job. Neither one of us is sitting here yep. wishing that someone would just give us a checklist of the things we have to do and then that's it and we right. don't have to make the decisions but instead we get that autonomy we get that power to decide you know what we do and and how and and why and that that comes with the responsibility of figuring out but that's the fun part yeah oh and also we sold another license sight unseen oh i mean like someone we don't know that just bought it stranger money yeah you're the one who are like some people just buy it and i was like nah some people have just bought it so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I noticed earlier you said customers plural and I was like, yeah. Hmm? yeah, man. Like it's it's cool. We're we're moving. I mean, like I said, we're moving slowly, but we're moving. How many have you sold this month? I don't know. Not a lot. One or two. What month is this? Okay. August? We're August. only 11 <laughs> days into August. So, just the one. Just the one in August. That's something. Tell me how is how has it been moving from a company of two for six eight years to a company of three uh I mean it's actually it's you know I mentioned the whole thing about like summer parenting here it's been kind of a weird time to be onboarding someone and probably yeah. not I don't know not a great time to be onboarded either because we're not super available and like right you know like there are days when I'm only answering my email right so like I I think once we get back to working on a regular schedule um which is next week thankfully it'll be a little bit easier to, to sort things out and hopefully we can find more time for overlaps. And, you know, we've been having conversations about, okay, like which day do like, do you get to work late? And by late, we mean like, you know, until six o'clock, let's say. So the other one is the one making dinner and just like having a schedule of like who is doing what, which day. So we both know which days like we're getting us overlap if we need to have, you know, for, if I need to have calls with customers or sales stuff or, Matias needs to be working something out with our employee or whatever, or, you know, both of us do. So I, I think it's probably too early to tell 
because it's just been such a weird schedule this yeah. summer. Because you've only had him on for a couple months, right? You just hired him recently. Since July 1st. Okay. Yeah. So he's yeah. super new. And his first two and a half weeks, we were on vacation in the U.S. So. Right. Like, it's, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a good time because then it's it's kind of chill, right? So. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. We have a check-in scheduled, so. Did you already we'll, we'll have all of, it. like, the logistical stuff in place or did you have to figure out how to make a W-2 employee and give him health insurance and all that stuff? We had to figure that out and okay. we talked to some people and we ended up going with Deal. So they're basically what's called a PEO, which professional, I think it's a professional employer organization, which is basically that they, he technically works for Deal and then we pay Deal to contract him to us. Okay. So I like, think it was really important to us that he got health insurance, health insurance. and a 401k and like, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So going through a PEO such as Deal, I think JustWorks is also a PEO. There's there, there's also a bunch of sort of more legacy ones as well. Um, but Deal and JustWorks are like the cool, hip, tech-friendly ones. Um, <laughs> okay. That sometimes comes with some of the challenges that come with working with a young company. Yeah. But yeah, that, that made it so much easier because there was no way that we were going to have, you know, go and set up a company in Maryland and buy health insurance on our own. I mean, I've... Like, I had to do that in my first job, and it was just the amount of overhead was um, nuts. And I did it for us in Virginia. So it was it was kind of a no-brainer to use a PEO for us. So have you thought about how you're going to manage him? Like, are you going to do – I mean, there's only three of you, so I guess it can be pretty casual. But, like, I was thinking of Matias's joke, like, and I know you. So are you, like, making <laughs> performance reviews, like 30, 60, 90 days? I, I don't know. I mean, okay. I think that's something we're going to talk about yeah. with him, I guess. I mean, if he wants that, we can do that. But, you know, I, I think people talk about their their first hires. It's important that it's somebody you know. And now I really get why. Now, granted, I understand that that comes with some, some problems, like especially for, you know, if you grow it into a much larger company and the inner circle of people is like all of the buddies of the CEO, like that can lead to a lot of culture problems yeah inclusion issues and all, all sorts of stuff right we are not planning to to you know grow our headcount certainly not to like you know thousands of people or whatever right like that's just right. not the path we want to be on so i think it's been really good that we and especially matthias knew him beforehand yes because that, that just makes a lot of things easier yes so we'll see i almost feel like it's almost not not my place to like talk about that because it's his perspective is just as important on that yeah no I think that totally makes sense yeah. and obviously that's a conversation you have um, it's been interesting for me because we have a couple contractors and we're looking to hire another one and obviously not the same at all but also oh, it's really hard like it's really hard how do you yeah. pick someone like how do you vet someone like should you use someone from your network should you not because that's unfair like just stuff like that Dude, so, like, January of this year, I decided I wanted to hire some people to write content for us. Yeah. And recruited from our customer base. Yeah. And so I wanted people to write tutorials about how to use Geocodio in various cases, like how to use Geocodio with Tableau, for example. Just, by the way, I'm still looking for someone who can do that. <laughs> and anyway, so I found, like, almost 10 people. Okay. Who said they wanted to write one, and I was, I think we paid them, like, I don't know, $500 each or something like that, which I ended up sharing this with somebody who, who does like content, um, 
professionally and they were like that is an extremely high rate Super high. <laughs> for yeah. what you are asking for yeah but I signed contracts with people saying okay like you're gonna write this article for us we're gonna pay you this amount per article like here's what has to be in it and you know and then the expectation is you is you'll turn around a rough draft in like six weeks or, or four, four or six weeks or something of those 10 people that I literally signed contracts with and said yeah. that we would pay them a generous rate for these tutorials, yeah. only one person actually turned one around. Wow. Like the rest of the people just flaked. Weird. Oh, yeah. wow. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, and I didn't follow up with them because it's like, okay, if they've forgotten about it, like this is clearly not going to work. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Hiring people is hard. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, because you're trying to get someone to basically replace you as a client, right? Mm -hmm. So that you don't have to do... I mean, ideally, the problem I have is that everyone I know is super busy. So to find someone with 10 hours a week availability is really hard. And what we're building is so... We really need, you know, a product-minded developer. And those people are really hard to find. So, I mean, we're not married to the idea of doing it, but it would be cool if we could find the right person. Hiring them. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> we're both sort of like lost in thought thinking about it. But I guess I, I have gotten more comfortable at least with hiring contractors and whatnot. Like, you know, we were looking for someone to write a library recently. And I think like two years ago, I probably would have been like, oh, that seems complicated to like figure out how to hire someone for this. So I'm just not going to do it. And And now I'm like, you know, ask our founder friends, like, hey, like, who do you recommend who can do Python stuff? And then they send me somebody. And I'm like, great, okay, I'm going to go on Upwork. And I press hire this person. And that was very easy. <laughs> um, this is, <laughs> like, definitely much more comfortable with that than, than I used to be. Yeah. So it's funny because I tweeted, I think, yesterday that – so something that – okay, I'm going to switch topics on you again a little bit. But simple file upload, Heroku does not provide metrics – and it drives me nuts. And I've kind of have this like janky meta base set up that kind of gives me information, but it does not give me very good information. So I went to sign up for ChartMogul, but obviously they don't have a Heroku integration. So they were like, oh yeah, you can just build your own with our API. I'm like, I, I don't have time for that. Like, I just literally do not have time. So I tweeted yesterday, I will pay someone to build me a ChartMogul integration and you can keep the IP and sell it to other Heroku add-on users. And so I got... A few people, quite a few, I don't want to say quite a few, but like a few people that were like, yeah, I can build that for you. Um, so that's kind of like, it's a fun little experiment I'm running and we'll see how that how that works out. I'll report back. You are, you are funding somebody else to have their own little indie business on Heroku. I mean, I kind of, I've brought this up before. Okay. Like, I mean, like two years ago, I, and I don't know, like, I'm not gonna, I'm going to have calls with two of the people um, that seemed really promising. I'm not going to like, when you do something like this, there's no guarantee that anyone else is going to buy it, but it is something I want. So we'll see if it works out, but it'd be kind of fun because we've been like running a lot of experiments with simple file upload and without good metrics, I can't tell what's what works and what doesn't. And in terms of metrics, you mean like people uploading and downloading files or I mean like integrating it? I can't like, even oh, track churn. Oh, like, okay. Like really high level metrics. Yeah. Like, okay. Like that. Okay. Okay, I thought you were talking I about mean, like engagement metrics. No, no, no. Like technically I could figure out, I could build my own wait, dashboard. So wait, with Heroku, you can't see churn? So Heroku, this is what I get from Heroku, okay? Once a month, they give me a report and they're like, we owe you this amount of money. And then they pay me the money. That's it? That's it. That's it. So you don't even, do you know how many active 
So I have built in Metabase using SQL, right? This is not simple. I have built a dashboard in Metabase that shows me. So obviously I get like, I get a, you know, a hit to my server every time someone signs up or signs out or quits or uploads a file. Um, so I have built this dashboard in Metabase that shows me how many active users I have at any time. And I can see like how many people have signed up. But it's like a real, it's a real pain to manage because I don't know, it's just a pain to manage. Like I just want like my Stripe metrics. I want someone just to tell me what my churn is because I don't want to constantly be calculating that based on like all these hits to my API. So yeah, anyway. Wow. I know. (laughs) That's kind of incredible that they don't provide that. I know. (laughs) But I think it's such a small, I mean, my theory on this is it's just such a small marketplace like it's not like you know shopify like it's a small marketplace so maybe the market's just not there for anyone to build it but like it's not gonna take that long to build you just integrate the heroku api with like a chart mogul api or other api so anyway i think that would be fun we'll see if that works out that would be fun and then you would basically be eventually funding somebody else's little yeah and then they're gonna make more money than i am watch that (laughs) (laughs) the the thing you need to build to make the thing happen is the thing (laughs) right right Right? wasn't that matt wensing tweeted that recently which is totally true and i mean that's totally what happened with us i know i know your story that's exactly how you guys came about um but anyway speaking of hiring that made me think of that and speaking of other people should we do our thank yous let's do it okay Huge thanks to all of our listeners who become software socialites and support our show. You can become a supporter for $10 a month or $100 a year at softwaresocial.dev supporters. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality. <laughs> Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Memo.fm, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of CrowdSentry, Nate Ritter of RoomSteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from OutSteady, Justin Jackson from MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Sunning, Josh, the annoyingly pragmatic founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Noosey Proposals, who, by the way, tweeted at us that we are saying his name wrong, but, <laughs> but won't he tell, us tell us what the correct pronunciation of his name is. <laughs> Michael, I'm like, I, I am so close to doing like a deep rabbit hole on how you <laughs> pronounce Dutch last names. Please tell us. Okay, Chris from URL Box, Kaylee of Tosslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lena and Alex from Recapsy, and Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from OppleNet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of KeyHero.io, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Nathan of Develop Your UX, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, and Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> and please do tell us if we're pronouncing your name wrong or your company name no, wrong. No, just and tell us we're saying also- it wrong, but don't tell us how to say it. That's way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> we should read this in, like, funny accents or something one of these days or, like, shuffle all of them or... 
I don't know, like, can you do a, a British or Australian accent or something? That would I be... I don't know. I'd have to uh, practice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be fun. Okay. Good chat. Good chat. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality. Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of WorkCited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabel developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.